Hey, and thanks for taking the time to listen with us here at Gospel Way as we seek to find rest in Christ. Please know that this is supplemental and does not replace your local church or the pastor that God has given to shepherd your soul. But it is our prayer that God will use these resources to bless you and point you to Jesus. Start our reading in verse number 28. And the Bible says, As concerning the gospel, they are enemies for your sake. But as touching election, they are beloved for the Father's sake. For the gifts and calling of God are without repentance. For as ye in times past have not believed God, yet have now obtained mercy through their unbelief. Even so, have these also now believed, that through your mercy they also may obtain mercy. For God hath concluded them all in unbelief, that he might have mercy upon all. And again, reading through that quickly, it's hard to grasp what's being said, but I'm going to read through it again, and I want to point out the pronouns that Paul is using here. He says, as concerning the gospel, they, and he's talking about the Jews. And we can see that from the text above, that he's talking about the Jews being enemies of God. Because if we remember, God had hardened them. He had taken them off of the olive tree and grafted in the wild olive branch, which was the Gentiles. So he's again in this same thought process. And he says, they are enemies. So that they, I put a J for Jews. For your sake. So with the your, I put a G for Gentile. But as touching election, they, the Jews, are beloved for the Father's sake. And if you look in in your Bible, the word fathers is lowercase f and it is s apostrophe. That's saying that it's a lowercase, it's not God the Father. And that's the way I honestly, when I read it the first time, that's the way I read it. I read it the Father's sake. It was for God the Father's sake. But what Paul's saying is they were beloved for the Father's plural sake. Paul here is talking about Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, the patriarchs of the Jewish religion. So for the Father's sake, the Jews were beloved. So for their ancestry, God loved them. For the gifts and calling of God are without repentance. Verse 30, it says, For as ye, Gentiles, and times past have not believed God, yet have now obtained mercy through their Jewish unbelief. Even so, have these, the Jews, also not believed that through your, the Gentiles, mercy, they, the Jews, also may obtain mercy. For God hath concluded that all, that's Jew and Gentile, in unbelief, that he might have mercy upon all Jew and Gentile. And as we kind of look at this text as a whole, now that we see kind of his thought process, I want to make sure that we are looking at this in light of what Paul is getting ready to say, and we won't be covering that tonight. But after Paul finishes this thought, it sends him into saying, Oh, the depths of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. So Paul, after he concludes what he's saying here, it's, it's done in the light of Paul looking in awe at 
what God has done. And that's why we've titled this the all of the mercy of God. Because Paul looks at this and he says, who but God could have done this? Who but God is wise enough and knowledgeable enough to plan things like he has? And we'll look at that next week. But as we kind of move into it, Paul mentions three things. And if you want to use your list, you can. Because each of these things he mentioned are found in the word for or because. So we have, number one, an unregrettable or irrevocable or an unchanging call. That's found in verse 29. Number two, we've got a unifying purpose found in verse 30. And number three, we have the plan of inclusion by mercy. And that's found in verse number 32. And like I said, each of these verses start with the word for. So it's easy to kind of outline the text that Paul's looking at. So we'll look at verse 28 and we'll move down through this and see what Paul is getting at. So he starts out and he says, as concerning the gospel. So Paul is going to change his thought process a little from looking at an olive branch that was part of the branch, which was Christ, and the wild olive branch that was grafted in to Christ. He says, setting that aside for just a second, concerning the gospel, concerning the good news of Christ, they are enemies for your sake. So Paul is, again, he's going back to the thought that he had a little bit before, roughly around chapter... 11 verses, mainly verses 1 through 10, Paul talks about the Jewish people being hardened that God may bring mercy to the Gentiles. And Paul is coming back to that thought. He's saying concerning the gospel, they are enemies for your sake. So Paul's saying that these Jewish people have been put at enmity with God. And Romans 5 verse 8 tells us that while we were all enemies of God, it was Christ that died for us. So he's saying that the Jewish people have been set into a place where they're no longer the friends of God, so to speak, like God had called Abraham, but they are enemies of God for your sake. So again, he's going back and saying the Gentiles are for their sake. It's it's because of the Gentiles and because of what God wants to do with the nations that he has made the Jewish people at enmity with him. But touching election, they are beloved for the Father's sake. And the first thing we look at is the unregrettable call. Because Paul says, for the gifts of God, the gifts and callings of God are without repentance. So basically what Paul is getting at here is that the Jews have become enemies, but... That doesn't mean that God has cast them aside and has blocked their entrance from the kingdom of God now. Because Paul says in verse number 29 that the gifts and calling of God are without repentance. What Paul's saying here is that God cannot change. God's plan didn't change. His mind didn't change. It's without repentance. It's without, it's irrevocable. If If we look at what Paul is saying here and look at it in a different light and say, well, you know, God has set the Jews off and he's picked up the Gentiles and later he'll put the Gentiles down and pick up the Jews. If we look at it in that kind of light, then we look at at a God who is changing his mind and changing what he's doing. But Paul said that the Jews were never set aside completely because God's 
plan, his callings, his gifts are not revocable. He's not repentant of that. He doesn't regret what he did because he had a plan in doing all of what he did. God has loved and does love the people of Israel for their father's sake. Basically what Paul is saying, he's saying God hasn't set Israel aside completely and God still loves Israel because of what he did with their fathers. So if we look back to the Old Testament, we can see that Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, David, Moses, who whatever patriarch that you want to you want to bring to your mind, all of these people were used in a specific way and in a specific reason in God's plan. There was no there was nothing that Abraham did that brought him more favor than anybody else that was around him. God chose Abraham, called to Abraham and said, I want you to come out from where you're at and go to a city that I'm going to tell you about. That's what God said. And that's what Paul's talking about when he says, for election's sake, they are beloved for the, or for, by election, they are beloved for the Father's sake. So what Paul is pointing out is that they're not being cast aside. God still has placed his love on them because of the plan that he had in the beginning. And again, this was an unregrettable love. It's an irrevocable love. And God's not changing the way that he's going. He is going to prove that as we go down to the next couple of verses. So in verse 29, we've got an unregrettable or an irrevocable or an unchanging call because we have a unchanging God. God doesn't change. His plans doesn't, do not change. And because of that, this call that he has made does not change. But secondly, we've got a unifying purpose in verse number 30. It says, For ye, again Gentiles, in times past have not believed God. So Paul's saying, you who were Gentiles, if you look back through the Old Testament and we can take that understanding that we have from there, there were not a lot of Gentile converts. There were Gentile converts. They just didn't come in huge numbers. And Paul's saying, because ye were not obedient and did not believe God. He said, all of y'all, y'all didn't believe what God was doing. You didn't believe what God was saying. And for that reason, most of you were disobedient. Most of you did not obey or believe in what God was doing. He said, time passed, you have not believed God. Yet have now obtained mercy through their unbelief. So what Paul is saying, he said, back in the Old Testament, back during the Old Covenant, the Gentiles mostly believed God. Now, we know that they didn't fully because they constantly were doing their own thing, constantly not believing what God said, constantly going into bondage, constantly having someone come and take their lands, constantly having to go through all these struggles because they refused to believe what God had said and to do what God had said. But as a whole, they were still the people of God. They were still known as the people of God, and God was constantly bringing them back to himself. So he said, they believed then, and you didn't believe. But now, you believe, and they don't believe. It's almost, as Paul is saying, that it looks like from an outsider's perspective that the tables have turned. 
They are now not believing and you're believing, whereas they were believing, you're not believing. And in a sense, that is kind of what has happened from an outsider perspective. And that's what Paul is wanting to call our attention to, is to understand the plan of God, even though the plan of God looks differently than what we thought it would look. He's saying it's going to come to the same conclusion, and again, we'll get to that, but it's going to come to the same conclusion that God promised. It's just going to come into conclusion in a different way than you thought it was going to come. Again, these Jewish people were expecting God to come down and set up his kingdom right then with Jesus. Right before they go into Jerusalem, they ask him, how long before the kingdom of God comes? And Jesus looks at him and says, you don't even know what you're talking about. The kingdom, he, he, he doesn't, the kingdom of God isn't what you think it is. And he even makes a statement that the kingdom of God is in you. Yes. He tries to tell them, which they, goes in one ear and out the other. They were, I assume most of Jesus' followers were like my children. They just didn't listen. They heard what they wanted to hear, but they didn't listen to what Jesus was actually saying. But we've got Gentiles who are now disobedient and not believing, and Gentiles who are believing, and Paul tells us why this is. He says, ye have now obtained mercy through their unbelief. Even so, have these also now not believed that through your mercy they may also obtain mercy. So what Paul is saying, he's unifying the purposes of God. He's bringing what is going on and he's explaining what is getting ready to happen. He says, the Gentiles were brought in and... The Jews were put out that they may be brought in. And that's the same thing that God does in the Old Testament. Even even our mind can easily go back to the book of Micah. God was bringing judgment onto Israel that he may be able to have mercy onto Israel. He's bringing them away from him that he may bring them to him. And in essence, Paul is, is kind of calling that back to their memory. He wants them to know that the Jewish people are being put away from God, that they may be brought near to God. Again, verse number 30, he says, In times past, you didn't believe, and they did. He, and and he, he even takes this word mercy, and that's why we're looking at the all of this mercy. He's taking this word mercy, and he's, he's explaining what God's doing through that one piece, through the mercy of God. Because when it comes down to it, God is making sure that we understand that we are completely dependent on his mercy. It's only by his mercy that any of us can come to him. And that's where the, Jew, the Jewish mindset was that their fathers, and we can see this all throughout the Pharisees and their works, but their mindset was that the fathers were the people of God, so obviously we are the people of God no matter what. We are God's chosen people. But Paul is wanting them to see that it's only by the mercy of God that they have any dependence or any availability to be the people of God. And at the same time, he wants the Gentiles to see the same thing. The Gentiles, he doesn't have to go through a lot because they already understood that it was only by the mercy of God that they could come in. But these Jewish people needed to understand also that it was only the mercy of God that they were able to come in at all. It wasn't anything to do with any of their heritage. It wasn't anything to do with any of their knowledge. It wasn't anything to do with any of that. And that's why Paul in one of his other epistles says that he had counted all that as dung 
that he may win Christ. Paul understood that God was trying to set aside everything else to clear the way for them to get to their Messiah. And that's Paul's unifying process where he's showing that things are going to start to come together. And this brings us to verse number 32. In verse number 32, Paul kind of wraps up this in a conclusion. We'll probably spend a little bit more time here. But he says, For God hath concluded them all in unbelief, that he might have mercy upon all. What Paul's saying is that God hasn't thrown anybody to the side. He's not saying that it was only the Jews and now it's only the Gentiles. He's not now saying that it's only the Jews and none of the Gentiles. But God has made something set up in such a way that everything is becoming one. Even if we go back to Romans chapter number 4 and verse number 3, Paul tells us that Abraham believed and it was counted unto him for righteousness. God called Abraham, he believed, and was counted them for righteousness, and that's what God is getting ready to do with the nations. Basically, and, and to kind of put this to, in, into terms that, that are more understandable, Paul's in essence saying that God has leveled the playing field. Whereas he had a Jewish group of people And a Gentile group of people, one believing, one unbelieving, God has brought everybody into this realm of unbelief. So by setting aside, in a sense, ethnic Israel, because the purposes have been fulfilled. And if we think back, what was the whole purpose of Israel to begin with? The whole purpose of Israel was to, number one, be the seed from which Christ would come. And number two, to bring the word of God into the world. The psalmist says that they had been given the oracles of God. They had been given the word of God to bring into the world to make way for the new covenant, to make way for their Messiah. That was, in in all aspects, Israel's purpose was to physically and in written form make way for the king of the world. He was the king of the Jews, but he was also coming as the king of the world. And that's where they had misunderstood what was getting ready to happen. But it says that Abraham believed. And in essence, what God is saying is he's bringing things back to the way that they were prior to Abraham. Prior to Abraham, there was no believing, unbelieving. There was no group of people here and group of people here. It was one group. We can even see pictures of that if we look at Adam. We've got Adam who believes God and Abel who believes God. But over here is Cain who doesn't believe God. And they weren't separate groups. They were part of the exact same family. They were brothers. Go down the road through Genesis. You've got Noah. Noah and his family found grace in the eyes of God. They believed. Other people didn't. But they weren't two groups of people. They were all, it was all hinged on belief and unbelief. It wasn't hinged on I'm a Jew or I'm a Gentile, I'm white, I'm black, I've got the word of God, I was born in this country. It wasn't hinged on any of that. It was hinged on belief and unbelief. 
And that's why Paul brings up what he says. And that's the reason he mentions the fathers in the beginning. God loved the fathers for the same reason that God loved us. In Romans chapter number eight, he said that he foreknew and he loved us before the foundation of the world. God had put his love on the fathers, on Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He had nothing to do with them being Jewish because they weren't Jewish. There was no Jew before Jacob. That's the reason they're called the children of Israel, because they're his kids. Those 12 kids that he had, they're his, and that's why they got their name. But what Paul is doing, he's saying, step back and look at this from the perspective of of Abraham, from the father's sake. That's who, when Paul said the fathers, that's who they would have understood he meant. They would have thought directly to Abraham because that's where they took their pride. And Abraham was the first. We all came from him and his blessed seed through the tribes of Jacob. That's where they went. Their minds went straight to those three men that they held in such high regard. But Paul says the plan of God was to put everybody back on a, on a field where it's either belief or unbelief. It's not who you were born under. It's not who who your father was. It's not what country you came from. It's belief or unbelief. Belief, you'll be counted as righteous. And Paul tells us in Galatians, and if we remember back in chapter number five, Paul tells us that the true Jew is the one that believes. He's bringing us back. He's taking us back and saying this was the plan of God for the beginning. Israel hasn't been set aside in a sense that they can't come to Christ. But God isn't working through Israel to bring Christ forth because his plan in that sense has finished. He was done with what he was doing there. And he's saying that he has now concentrated on the nations. That's the reason that John says, I saw Many, an unnumerable number. He couldn't even count how many people were there from every tongue, tribe, and nation because that was God's plan from the beginning. Even with Israel, he told them, don't look like other people so they'll look at you and see me. And that was the reason that they kept going into bondage because they kept not looking like God. They quit looking at him, so they stopped looking like him. And God said, if you're not looking like me, you're not serving the purpose that I put you here for. So I'm going to send you into bondage and give my prophets your words. I'm going to make sure that my seed still comes through your line, even though you're being disobedient to everything that I've said. But he did all of this, has set the Jews to unbelief, verse number 30, so that he might... Show mercy upon all. So he says, now we set everybody on a level playing field. Everybody now is unbelieving that I can show mercy on all the unbelieving. That was the purpose of God. And that's why Paul goes into this, all the depths and the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God. He's saying God's plan blew his mind. He, he, he didn't know what else to do but start to praise God for the plan that he had put in the place that he was starting to see. And that plan was that God is building one building in Christ. And the word here that is... I'm not sure what, what way to, to phrase it, but the word here that all this kind of hinges on in verse number 32 is concluded. 
And I know I've said before, I like to look up words, see where else they're used, how they're used, why they're used, what they mean. The word concluded that Paul used here, it means to shut up or shut in. And where does that take your mind? Back to Noah. Because it says they went into the ark and God shut them in. So he was, he shut them in. He, he, in essence, he was saying, he said, these are the believing here. These are the unbelieving here. Nobody else is getting on the boat. This plan, in essence, say God's plan to judge and save was over. He stopped. It was, he concluded. That was it. What Paul is saying here is that God hath concluded them all in unbelief. That he might have mercy upon all. He's put everybody in that category and he has shut in. He's not pulling out nations anymore. He's not pulling out groups of people anymore. That plan is over. Where he had placed Abraham over in this slot and everyone else over in this slot... And then he had the Jews over here and everybody else over here. And he would sometimes move people from over here to over there. But what he's done is he's put everybody in unbelief that he may show mercy to all. And that was his plan. Paul said that he concluded, he shut in. The plan is done. He He put a check on it. It's done. Now it's just in progress. We're part of the progress of the plan that God has given And that plan is that all nations shall be blessed in Christ. And that's what he told Abraham. He said, by you being the seed of Abraham, all nations will be blessed. Paul's saying God is doing exactly what he said he was going to do. We had no idea he was going to go about it this way. We had no idea that he was bringing all the nations to himself. We thought he was with us. But Paul is seeing that it was everyone, that God's plan was way bigger than he could have ever Imagined. And it takes us back to that same illustration that we had used back in verses 1 through 10. That God did use the Jews in a specific way in his plan, in building his church. God did use the Jewish people as, and I know we had mentioned, what I had mentioned as the illustration was as scaffolding in a building. But the scaffolding became part of the building. He didn't set the scaffolding aside like most construction companies would do. He didn't load the scaffolding back up on the truck to take it somewhere else. The scaffolding became part of the building. And that's why Paul is amazed at what's going on because God is building his church in Christ. And this takes us back again, if we remember back a week or so ago when we looked at the vine and the wild olive branch and all these other things, it takes, our, it takes our mind back to what, what David had even said. And even in Zechariah, as mentioned, there talks about a dead stump of Jesse. And there spring forth a plant from that dead stump. See, the Old Testament writers knew what was going to happen without really knowing what was going to happen. They didn't understand what they were saying but what was happening is the stump of Israel was, it was, nothing was going to come from that. In a sense that God wasn't building it in them, but he was building it in the seed. 
And that's why Paul mentions what he does in grafting pieces out and grafting pieces in because it's not about being part of a Jewish kingdom. It's about being in Christ. He set everybody in unbelief so that he can begin to put people in Christ because that was his ultimate plan. And that's why Paul does what he does in verse number 33. He says, all the depths of the riches, both of the wisdom and the knowledge of God, how unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. So God has set everybody in unbelief that he can show mercy to all. He's not concentrating on one group of people over another group of people. He's not concentrating on one race over another race. He's not concentrating over one gender over another gender. He's not concentrating over one age over another age. He's not concentrating over one heritage over another heritage. All of that is irrelevant because God is not a a respecter person. He doesn't care who you are. He doesn't care how old you are. He doesn't care how wealthy the family that you came from was. He doesn't care what your skin color is. He doesn't care if you've lived a horrible life or you've lived a relatively moral life. He doesn't care about any of that because he is showing mercy on everybody. Anybody who comes to him in belief will receive mercy because everyone is in unbelief. And the beauty of that is that's how we came in. We weren't Jews. We weren't part of some long heritage of the family of God. We were unbelievers. And we believed. And it was accounted for us as righteousness. We were imputed the righteousness of Christ by belief. That was it. The faith that came from the word of God that he told us about in chapter 10 places into this vine. We are now part of this wild olive branch that wasn't there to begin with, that nobody saw to begin with because we've been placed in Christ. And we can see that it applied to us. And again, Paul's whole thought process is always missional. He wants to keep calling people's attention to the fact that it's not about you that you got in, but God's going to use you to bring other people in just like he used the Jews to bring you in. That's God's whole plan, this circular plan of bringing people in by bringing people in by bringing people in by bringing people in. And even the ones who reject him, he uses them to bring more people in. That's what God does. Whether you accept or reject, whether you are the greatest witness that ever lived or the worst witness that ever lived, God is somehow using you to bring other people to himself. And that's why Paul says, all the depths of the wisdom and knowledge of God. Because it's not about us. Right. We can be, we can look, I can step back and look at myself and say, I have been the worst Christian believer that has ever lived this week. Right. But from God's perspective, he's bringing people to belief because of that. I mean, I mean, that's what Paul says. He says Israel rejected. And because Israel rejected, other people believed. That doesn't even make sense. Well, you said no, so these people said yes. <laughs> That's Paul's point. Who else comes up with that but God? Yes. Who else puts these things together but God? And when we see these things, that's where our mind ought to go. We ought to stand back. And like the song said, God, his son, 
didn't forbear. He didn't hold his son back, but he gave his son to the world. That all men through him can come to the Father. John, even in John 1, he said, He came in his own, his own believed him not, but as many, whether they were his own or they weren't his own, as many as believed him, to him gave the power to become the sons of God. This is the plan of God. This is what we ought to be in awe of. And this is what we ought to thank God for. We should try to be the witness that we can be, but even the days that we're not, God is still using us to bring people to himself. That's the mighty power of our God. That we can stand back. Even, even and I know the song, I'm, I'm, I'm closing, but... The song comes to mind, you know, people talk about you get to heaven and you see all these people around and people come up to you and say, you're the reason that I got saved. Nobody's going to be doing that. (laughs) They're all going to be looking at a lamb slain and saying, that was the reason. That's what Paul does. He says, he says, it wasn't me. It wasn't Stephen. It wasn't Peter. He said, I was on my way to Damascus. And lo and behold, a light shone. And he said, Paul, what are you doing? Paul understood. He said, there was one person responsible for my conversion. And that's what we're all going to be able to do. There's going to be people in heaven that got there through us. Some through our belief, some through our unbelief. But they all got there because of him. That's right. Lord, I want to thank you for the opportunity again to be in your house for a little while on your day that you have set aside for us to...